It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. The books of the Bible. We're in Leviticus chapter 19. We use a King James Version Bible. We ask the Father for the wisdom, the knowledge, and understanding in the name of Jesus. Leviticus 19. God has more instructions for the children of Israel and we were talking about offering a peace offering sacrifice and and it showed us that if you offered a peace offering sacrifice you could eat the um, animal that you offered for a peace offering um, for the first two days the day you did the sacrifice and the next day but we learned in verse 7, it told us, and if it be eaten at all on the third day, it is abominable. It shall not be accepted. So, God has rules in the way he wants things done. For flesh Israel, the rules that he came up with, all of these laws, the stuff that God was having them do, not eat, um, perform, and all of this stuff, had to do with the flesh. And what God is saying um, is that, listen, you can't keep food more than two days. On the third day, bacteria will grow, and it is not healthy for you. So why would God want you to eat something that is not healthy for you? And so that's why he puts the rules there for flesh Israel. And then he continues in verse 8 and says, Therefore every one that eateth it shall bear his iniquity. You understand? God is saying, you made a sacrifice and I've given you the rules, but if you don't follow my rules, if you eat it on the third day or whatever after the first two days, you're going to heap on you sin. Bear your iniquity. It's going to be a sin to God. You started it out as a sacrifice to God, but it's going to ultimately end up as a sin in God's eyes. Why? Because you're not doing what God has instructed you to do. And so, he continues and he says, because he hath profaned the hallowed thing of the Lord, so there's this sacrifice was hallow in God's eyes. And he wanted the children of Israel, flesh Israel, to do this stuff because he wanted it done this way. And that 
soul shall be cut off from among his people. So that's pretty drastic, okay? And so that's what God requires, you see. You must do things the way God wants you to do them. And if you don't do, if someone decides that they don't want to do things the way that God instructs to be done, then God doesn't want them to be a part of his uh, children of Israel, the nation of Israel, flesh Israel. He doesn't want people who rebel against him to be connected to the group, the children of Israel. God hasn't changed, okay? God hasn't changed. (laughs) He's still the same today with Christianity. We don't have to worry about all this flesh stuff, flesh sacrifices and flesh eating of food to, you know, all of this. The flesh is for Israel, the nation of Israel, and that's been all done away with and having to do with all of that because of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who came to earth, fulfilled all of this. We don't do any of this anymore. But what we do have is because Jesus' sacrifice was for one time, and he's never going to be sacrificed again, if you don't respect what it is that God has done through Jesus, and Christian, this is talking to you, that if you don't respect it, then you're going to be in trouble with God. There is no such thing as once saved, always saved. And so we have to understand, I want us to turn to First Peter so you understand something. And I want you to pick it up with me in verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of God and of God resteth upon you, and on their part he is evil spoken of. But on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody, which means meddler, in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? That includes you, Christian. You see, you've got to obey what it is that we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to live on this earth as Christians. 
And then Peter goes on and he says, and if the righteous scarcely be saved, you understand, this is Christians. He's talking about Christians. No one saved, always saved. So where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? So Christian, God has a certain way to do things. Jesus showed us that way. If you're not doing things the way Jesus showed us to do it, and you're following your church or you're following some pastor or you're following your own thoughts on what you should be doing instead of what is shown to us by Jesus Christ, then you will be rejected because you're not doing things the way that God wants things to be done. You understand? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. So you understand that God has a way to do things. He did back in the time of Israel, back in Leviticus, and he has a certain way he wants us to do things as Christians. And as Peter just said, keep your soul. Don't get cut off. Don't get your name blotted out of the book of life. Okay? So I want us to go to Revelation and understand that Jesus said, oh, yes, your name can get blotted out of the book of life. And do you want that to happen? No, you don't. So, I want us to go to Revelation chapter 3, and this is the church of Sardis. Okay? And so, who is Sardis? It's one of the Christian churches. Were they a part of the body of Christ? Yes, they were. Let's read beginning in verse 1. And unto the angel of the church of Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works. So I know what you're doing. I know what you do. What is it that you do? That thou hast a name that thou livest. So what Jesus is saying here to this particular group of Christians is that you are Christian. You call yourself Christian. You have the name Christian. You're a believer of Jesus Christ. So what does he say next? And art dead. So you believe in Jesus Christ, but Jesus says you're dead. Now, how can a believer be dead in Jesus' eyes, if they're a believer, if this once saved, always saved nonsense is true. Hold your place in Revelation. Go to James chapter 2 so you understand, and then we'll go back to Revelation. James chapter 2, and I want us to read verse 14 first. What doth it profit my brethren believers, though a man say he has faith and hath not works, can faith save him? So, guess what? Can faith save you? So I believe, I believe, nonsense, nonsense, and, but you don't do anything for the kingdom of heaven like Jesus showed us to do, like God wants us to do. We have a job to do. And so James is saying, 
can faith save him? Just believing. Let's go to 17. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Same words back in Revelation. Now let's read it again. Verse 1. Verse 1 of chapter 3. And unto the angel of the church of Sardis write these things, saith he that hath the seven churches of spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast the name that thou livest. You believe in Jesus. You believe he existed. You believe he's the Son of God. You have been given the faith by God to believe in Jesus and who he was and what he did for humanity. And art dead. So yes, you believe, but in Jesus' mind, you are dead. And so I want you to go with me here in Revelation 3 and read down here in verse 5. He that overcometh, so you have to overcome, it isn't automatic. The same shall be clothed in white raiment, which means you're pure, your sins are covered under the blood, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. So guess what? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're not following Jesus, not doing the true works of the kingdom, not doing what we're told to do, but following some preacher or some pastor or some church or yourself, then Jesus will, guess what? You're going to be dead to Jesus, and he will blot your name out of the book of life. So you understand, let's go back to Leviticus, God has a certain way of doing things. And what happens when your name gets blotted out of the book of life? That's tough, man, because you're headed to the lake of fire. And so your soul is cut off from eternity. Verse 8 again, let's read it. Therefore, everyone that eateth it shall bear his iniquity. So if you do things your own way, your church's way, your pastor's way, you're going to have iniquity. And you can't be found with white clothing if you're not covered under the blood because of your iniquity and not following the works of Jesus Christ. Because he hath profaned the hallowed thing of the Lord. So guess what? You have profaned the Lamb of God because you believed in Jesus, but you didn't follow Jesus. And that soul shall be cut off from among his people. So God's not playing around. He wasn't playing around with Israel, and he's not playing around with Christians. So understand that Israel, back in that day, he God has rules. And you see, what happened is that the priests and those in charge <laughs> let these people slide when they found out that they broke these rules, you understand? 
who's going to cut off someone from the, you know, children, from among the children, among the people? Who's going to cut them off during the time of Israel? It wouldn't have been God. It would have been the leaders of Israel, the nation, those in charge, the priests, those that knew the law. They were the ones that had to cut off the person. But you see, they didn't do it. For Christianity, we have Jesus. He's the shepherd. And he cuts us off from eternity if we're not doing what we want. But in Christianity, who cuts off the person that's not doing what the Bible tells us to do and not giving them a chance? Oh, it's okay. They just, as long as they show up, everything will be all right. No, <laughs> sorry. Jesus doesn't want them in our midst, okay? And so as leaders, as pastors, as church elders, it is our responsibility to cut these people off, okay? Now, does that mean that they can never come back again? No, of course that's not what it means. What it means is that while they're doing these things they're not supposed to do or not doing the works of the kingdom like they're supposed to do, we don't want them to be an example, bad example, for the brethren, they can't be around the brethren. You can't go fellowship with them. You can't associate with them. Understand, until they get things straight. And once they get things straight, hey, that's all we ask. And it's easy. That's the grace, okay? It isn't some big ritual. You don't have to go and sacrifice some animal or something like Israel had to do. You don't have to kneel down five times and do all the nonsense that Israel had to do. You don't have to throw blood and put it on an altar and sprinkle it and all of that nonsense. You don't have to do any of that to get your soul clean of the iniquity and the sins of going the other way instead of following Jesus, following the flesh. Because guess what? <laughs> no matter what you think, if you're following the flesh, if that's 100% of what you do is flesh stuff, then guess what? 100% you're going to be sinning in God's eyes. Sorry, the only way that a human doesn't sin is not through his willpower, but through following the leading of the Spirit of God. So if you're being led by the Spirit of God, you cannot sin. It's impossible. Hold your place in Leviticus, and let's go to Galatians 5. I want you to see this and understand this. God doesn't want a bunch of sinners, a once saved, always saved, false doctrine of Satan people. Let's take a look at it. Galatians 5, and start in verse 16. This I say then, of course, this is Paul, walk in the Spirit. That's right, walk in the Spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's pretty simple. How is it that you don't sin? How is it that you get covered under the blood? 
You don't have to um, go and repent and stop doing what you're doing. How is it that you stay clean in God's eyes, in Jesus' eyes? Is by following the leading of the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God. Walk in the Spirit. Because Paul continues in 17... And he explains, if you're going to be walking in the flesh 100% of the time, which is you people that call yourself believers that don't do works for the kingdom. So if you're a believer and you're not doing anything for the kingdom of God, then you are one of these people. That's 100% doing flesh things. Sorry, showing up at church is not a spiritual work understand that brethren need us to do what it is that we're called to do. 17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit. Oh, there's a war going on. Your flesh wants you to do this, but your spirit wants you to follow the spirit of God. See, you have a spirit. And God has a spirit. And your spirit wants to follow what the leading of the Holy Spirit is trying to get you to do. But your flesh wants you to do what it wants you to do. Now, does this mean that everything your flesh wants you to do is a sin? Of course not. The point is that you are 100% doing what the flesh wants you to do. See, we're human. And we're not perfect. And God knows that. Jesus was the only perfect one, but the rest of us, uh uh-uh. So God knows that, hey, we're not going to follow the Spirit of God 100% of the time. But the more you don't follow the Spirit of God, and the more you follow the flesh and what it wants, the more likely you're going to start sinning and going off the path. So what's flesh things? Flesh desires, you know, eating, (laughs) sleeping, drinking, you know, getting, you're thirsty and you want something to drink. Your body wants that flesh. Flesh saying, I'm thirsty. And your body saying, I'm hungry. And your body saying, I'm bored. And your body saying, I'm tired. Those aren't sins. Of course not. But it's the flesh. You understand? And so... Can you make these things, you know, bad in God's eyes? Well, let's just say that your body says, oh, I like to sleep. So you sleep, and you sleep, and you sleep. (laughs) You never get up. (laughs) Well, how can God use you if you never get out of the bed? How can you be useful to the kingdom of heaven if you never get out of the bed? So ultimately, you're rejecting what God wants you to do because God doesn't want you to be in the bed all the time. God doesn't want you eating and eating and eating and eating and eating all the time. Sure, God doesn't care if you eat, (laughs) but he doesn't want you to eat all the time. And he definitely doesn't want you to eat bad stuff. You've got the food laws. You know what they are. So... Is it okay, let's just say, that you like to drink alcohol, I mean, so your flesh likes a glass of wine, 
So guess what? <laughs> is it okay to have a glass of wine in God's eyes? Of course it is. Well, unless it's a jug glass or something. <laughs> One small glass of wine ain't going to hurt you. But guess what? How can it become sin? Well, it's very simple. If that one glass or that one beer or that one drink turns into another one and another one and another one, which is interesting, the group that I met, the um, people that understand about the, the festivals that God has told us to keep, like Passover and stuff, and following the food laws because it's healthy for you, not because you're going to go to hell if you eat, you know, pork or something. Those people know all of that stuff, and there's thousands of them. They call themselves the Church of God, and it isn't the tongue-talking Church of God. It's the other Church of God. Um, And those people, guess what? They believe that it's okay to party and get drunk. Sorry, not okay with God. The Bible tells you not to do that. (laughs) It's okay to drink a drink, but that's the point, see? So, is that the flesh or the spirit that's leading them? It's the flesh, of course. Oh, let's have a good time and party and all that stuff. Sorry, that's not what God wants us to do. So you're listening to the flesh. So let's continue here in Galatians. And read 17 with me. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit. That's right. God don't want you partying. He don't want you spending all day in the bed. But your flesh might like that. And the spirit against the flesh. God is saying to, because that's the only part of you that can access the Spirit of God, is your spirit. That's how God communicates with us humans, is spirit to spirit, our spirit to his spirit. So your spirit hears the voice of God, the Holy Spirit speaking to you, saying, listen, I want you to do this, or I want you to do that, whatever it is, however it is that God is working with you to getting you to do the works of the kingdom, And your spirit wants to do that, but your flesh is saying no. So, you see, the soul, which is who you are, is getting torn. The flesh is telling the soul, I want to do this. And the spirit is telling the soul, I want to do this. And so the soul, that's who you are. That's your real person. That's who you look at in the mirror in your eyes. The eyes are the mirror to the soul. You are looking at the real you. Guess what? It has to make a choice. You have to make a choice. That's called free will. And God gives us free will. So is your soul going to go towards the flesh or towards the spirit? Now, if it goes towards the flesh, 100% of the time, you go to the church and, you know, you show up, you put your time in. And then you go home and just do 100% of whatever you want to do. Guess what? God can't use you. And when Jesus returns, Sardis, because that's who you are, you 
will have your name blotted out of the book of life and you're going to be put on the side with the goats because you spent your time doing flesh stuff concerning yourself with this world instead of doing spiritual stuff and concerning yourself with the kingdom of heaven. And so you weren't doing things the way God wanted you to do them. And then it continues here in 17 and says, And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. So you want to do those flesh things. Your soul, you know, if you're not connected to God and you're not spiritually strong, and that's why we have discipleship, which means that the elders, the ones that are spiritually mature, help the ones that are new in Christianity that are not spiritually strong, we help them to stay on the path because, listen, they've been living all their life following the flesh. And if somebody isn't there to guide them and help them as an elder, not to, there's, there's churches, groups that, you know, like the Church of Christ is one of those, that that they have gone the opposite way, which is, which is the way Satan has it, because the Church of Christ, they have discipleship, but guess what? Their discipleship is, it's, it's a good idea in the flesh world, but their discipleship is that when you become a part of the Church of Christ, you're assigned a spiritual elder and you and the spiritual elder have to communicate and keep in contact every day. And you're, if you want to do something, you have to ask the spiritual elder if it's okay to do that. And the spiritual elder will um, find out who all your friends are and who the people you know are. And all the people that are not a part of the kingdom of heaven or, in their eyes, the church of God, I mean church of Christ, you have to cut off from them. You can't talk to them at all, which I understand the thinking process, but that's not the way Jesus showed us to do it. But you see, they have the right idea. A new spiritual Christian needs to be led by a spiritual mature person. Do you understand? And if you don't lead them correctly, then the flesh is going to get them because that's all they knew before they became a believer, before they were given the gift of faith. And so that's why you have discipleship. That's why Jesus did what he did with his disciples. Not just the 12 apostles that he chose, but the 120, all of those that followed Jesus, and there was 120 of them or more, that followed him that learned from him, and he discipled them. If you don't disciple your new believers, then they will go the way of the flesh. And if, and if you go the way of the flesh as a spiritual elder, then guess what? <laughs> How can you be an example to them? And 
both of you, as Jesus said, let the blind lead the blind and they'll go into the pit. And that's exactly what's going to happen. If you're not discipled correctly, if you're not discipling new believers correctly, if you're not discipled, meaning discipline, you've been a pupil, you know this is what we're supposed to be doing. This is what Jesus taught us to do. If you haven't been discipled properly, then guess what? You can't help someone else to be discipled, even if they make you a deacon and an elder and even a pastor. Because you're not connected to the Spirit of God. You're listening to the flesh. And if you're listening to the flesh, you can't help those that are the new believers. And guess what? (laughs) Jesus tells you, you better not cause the new believers, the kids, the children, to go astray because you're going to answer for it. So all you pastors and all of you spiritually mature people, I'd be looking at what I've been doing to the spiritually immature and make sure that you haven't led them astray. And one of the biggest ways that the churches do today and let people um, lead them astray is unfortunately when you have a new believer who has the joy and the, um, the zeal for this truth, God has given them the faith, the Holy Spirit is a part of their life, and they're bubbling with joy, and they're bubbling with, I want to help everybody get this that I have, they are saying, and the churches tell them to go out and invite everybody you know. Not correct. You don't throw a young baby to the wolves, which is what their family and friends are. Wolves. You understand? Yes, they're the world. They're working with Satan. And you've thrown them to the wolves. So the people get destroyed. They go out. They're wolf people. <laughs> Laugh at them. Make fun of them. Put them down. And they don't know how to handle it. Don't be found. Haven't done that. And that completes this particular study, Leviticus um, 19, we didn't get very far but one verse. God had a lot to say in that one verse. It's very important to understand. Therefore, every one, verse 8, that eateth it shall bear his iniquity because he hath profaned the hallowed thing of the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Yes, the church should be doing a lot of discipling and cutting off of people. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.